What is up, you awesome people? This interview with Temple has been, it was really, really fun. Uh, the reason why I loved interviewing Temple is I've coached Temple for a long time. Temple's worked for us before. He's just a really, really awesome dude and he's crushing life. This is going to be perfect for anybody who wants to succeed in business and didn't necessarily have the best start. Temple didn't grow up in the easiest of circumstances. He grew up in a trailer. He was used to being talked down to. He was like the poor kid on the block. And now the dude's crushing it. He's making a lot of money. He's had a lot of success and he's got a really, really awesome mentality. So be brilliant for anybody who is younger and wants to have more success or anyone who is actually even a little bit older, hasn't had the best start in life, but wants to go forwards and absolutely dominate because the mindset lessons that we can all learn from Taylor that I took away are really, really awesome. Now, one thing I also want to go into this too to make it even more beneficial for you guys is using one thing that I do. It's a quick little memory hack and learning hack. If we want to learn faster, we've got to look at how can we increase our memory and how can we increase our brain speed. And that's why I use this stuff. It's lines, man. Okay. I'll just zoom in here so you can see it. So this is the, uh, there we go. We got it now. Still not, it's refusing to zoom. There we go. So this is the lines man that I use. It's called Lucid. It's made by Harry Orr, one of our coaches here at JCF. I punch three meals of this stuff every single day. And the reason why I do this is because when you take lines man, it increases a neurotransmitter called acetylcholine, right? The acetylcholine increases our brain speed, our memory, our learning, and so on and so forth. It's unreal. And since I've started using this, I've been able to retain way more. So if you're going to watch this episode, get some of this so that you can maximize how much you're learning. Squeeze a couple of meals in, you know, a couple of hours before the start of your day and it will set you up much, much better than if you didn't have it beforehand. I hope this little hack helps you. Jump on into the interview. You'll love it. You'll really, really enjoy it. See you in there. Welcome on, my brother. Thank you, bro. Thank you. I'm super glad to be here. Yeah, man. It's it's cool to, to, to get you on finally, man. Like, um, and, and as I was saying before, like the reason why I wanted to get you on here is because you've got a story. Like you've got an actual like rags to riches type story. Like, you know, growing up in a trailer park to now where you're fucking, you know, crushing it, living in Colombia, uh, getting spiked with tobacco with a little bit of pot in it, which gets you a little bit too high for your interviews, like things like that. Yeah. Um, things like yeah, that. You're, you're living the dream, man. So like where I wanted to start, if it's okay with you, like, can you run run us through like what were your beginnings? What was life like at the beginning? Well, I grew up in a super small town in uh, Fort Bragg, California. It was on the northwest coast, and uh, I lived there till I was eighteen. Didn't really have much to do besides like hunt and surf and hike. There was lots of hiking that I loved. It was beautiful. Hiking was my favorite thing out there. But uh, the day I got eighteen, I just wanted out, so I actually left high school early, and that was like a whole other story on its own. If you would want to figure that out, but uh. I just, I wanted to get out. So I worked, saved up a little bit of money, not much, like 5K. Because I, I, I had this feeling like I wanted to be successful, but I didn't know how, but I just felt like it wasn't going to happen in that small town. I had to get out. I mean, you got to go explore the world, you know? Mm, totally. So there, so like in the, in the town, like what, no opportunities, low socioeconomic status, like what was it like? Oh yeah. Like my graduating class was like 16 people, super, super small town. Uh, there was Fort Bragg and then there was Mendocino. I think the total population of Fort Bragg is 10,000. So the closest city, put it this way, is San Francisco and that's four hours away. So it's isolated. It's remote. Okay. And so then yeah. you left Fort Bragg and then where'd you go? I flew to Portland, Oregon. And uh, I pretty much just chose that place because I kind of closed my eyes and put my finger on a map. And I was like, wherever I land, I'm going to go there. But I obviously got to be inside the United States. I wasn't going to fucking end up in like some remote island somewhere. But uh, later on, Portland, Oregon. So I was like, 
fuck it, saved up five, six K, moved out there without a job or anything, didn't even know where I was going to go live. And I was just like, I'll just go figure it out. And uh, why did you do that? Why didn't you plan? Why did you just say, fuck it, I'm just going to go here? Dude, I don't know. Like my, my mom always asked me about that. She's like, she's always curious, like why I just had that urge to go do it. But I just had the urge to like go make my own uh, life and journey. I don't know. I just want to make myself. So I didn't want to go like the college route and like be in the dorm and cushion. I didn't want to like live with my mom uh, or my dad. I just wanted to go branch off and figure life out. I was ready. Why, why didn't you want to live with your mom and your dad? Well, it wasn't that I don't live, want to live with my mom and dad. I live with them both. But uh, I just, I wanted to make become my own person. I wanted to make my own path. So, okay. So you get to Portland. From an early age. I mean, dude, I was like from 16, I knew I wanted to like go out and be on my own. I was ready. Okay. So then you get to Portland and, and what do you do there? I, uh, I struggle for a little bit. I mean, uh, I didn't have a job for a while. I was really figuring it out. Eventually I got a job stacking boxes in the warehouse in the back. And uh, I just did that. And I lived in a super sketchy neighborhood and I would have to, <laughs> dude, I would have to walk like 20, 30 minutes back in pitch dark, no street lights, get mugged. It was a, it was a shitty experience, but I'm glad I went through really? it. Really? Can you run me through it? Do you have yeah, any stories from back then? What? Dude, I don't know. Like one time in broad daylight, I was walking to work. So again, like 20, 30 minute walk. And some dude pulls up in a minivan and he's like, you're Jake. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not doing like he literally I'm walking past in the crosswalk halfway through the crosswalk and he swerves in and almost hits me and he like gets out of his car. He's like, you're Jake. And dude, I'm not Jake. I'm, and I keep walking. He tries to stop me. He pulls out a knife. He's like, you're Jake. You owe me this shit. And I had to pull up my ID and show him, dude, <laughs> I'm not Jake. He's like temple. And I'm like, yeah, he's exactly like, a real ID. And I'm like, yeah, dude. He's like, all right, my bad, bro. He just drives off. That was it. It was, it was so fuck funny. Yeah. Yeah. Just left me. Huh? Gotcha. How long were you there? I wasn't Jake. I was there for a year and uh, eventually I made some bad choices and it forced me to go back to my small town. And uh, I went and lived with my dad. We were like in a mobile home. Uh, like, uh, what did you do if you don't mind me asking? Uh, to leave. Yeah. So I, I, dude, it's, always, it's always around girls, right? So I, I invited this girl back that I broke up with and uh, we decided to move because uh, the place I was in was in the ghetto. I wasn't making much money. I was super broke. She didn't have a job coming in. She took like a train from across the United States. And uh, my friend had a ranch out in uh, Calistoga. Beautiful ranch, but super open, super isolated, even more than Fort Bragg. We're like, we're just going to go live there and work on this ranch. <laughs> live this lifestyle, dude, to like go on the come up. And uh, of course, it didn't end good. And then it, it sent me back to um, my dad's mobile home. And I lived there for like a good year. What was it like living in a mobile home? Uh, That's like a trailer, well, right? Yeah, it's like a glor- It's like a more glorified trailer. Like you can, like, it's like more set in stone opposed to a mobile home you can carry with you. Gotcha. But um, it was yeah, dude. It was super small. It was depressing. I uh, I didn't have that much fun doing it. I'll just say that. That's when I learned to code. And you I learned to code. Whole bath, remember? Yeah. So I I was in that trailer. I was like, what can I do? And I typed in making money online, and there was no like what we're doing now at least when i googled it i couldn't see shit so the only thing that kept popping up was become a coder become a coder become a software engineer so i was like okay i'll just do that so i spent a year teaching myself how to code and eventually i was calling businesses across the united states trying to convince them to hire me like just pay for my flight pay for my hotel pay for all my confidence i was a high school dropout i had no credentials to my name and i spent a year doing that and eventually i got someone uh, to bite and it flew me out what did you learn from that? 
Uh, I learned I learned sales, I think, some aspect, you know. I think that's was like my first ever taste of it. It was just selling myself. That was a hard sell too. Dude, I wasn't a fucking prize back then. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, a, a a high school dropout who lives in a mobile home isn't exactly, you know, uh, yeah. winning many gold medals there. So, okay, why was it that you were so tenacious though? Like a lot of us, right, when we have something shit that comes up, when life throws us a curveball, we just say, fuck it, whatever, I'm going to go get a job at a supermarket or like just we don't go and like push for what we really want to do. We just go and take a super easy option. Why did you keep pushing on? Dude, I've always had this belief in life that it is really whatever you make it. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me that you can give something your all, and do what you want to do, and you can't make it happen. Where do you think you got that belief from? Probably to my mom, in all honesty, because like she, she's super spiritual, super loving, like create your own path. I mean, she was an entrepreneur. She fucking flew to the United States. Uh, she lived in France, born and raised, and then she flew to the United States at 20 and got a job, didn't speak the language, and just made it happen. And now she you know, has her own business. She's thriving. So I think I just probably saw that growing up with her. She was always super resilient, man. Like, like whether she got in the divorce with my dad or whatever was happening, like she was always just the toughest woman I know. She was the toughest person I know, period. Hmm. That's super cool. Yeah, your mom's an awesome human being. Awesome human being. She's one Thank of the funnest people yeah. I've ever been able to coach. That was, that was really cool when I was working with her. Um, yeah, she's okay. the best. So, so, okay. So you, you've got, you got, you get this from your mom and you're continually hustling. You go end up landing this job. So what was this job that you landed? Dude, so this is like where everything changed for me. I, uh, I went out to this job and I was like, this is it. I worked a year for this being in a mobile home. Just like I was doing, I was doing some drugs, not like the best person. And, uh, I was like, what, this you, job what, you, what drugs did you used to do? Cocaine and things like that. Nothing like ever too crazy. I never got addicted. So it was just like, I would do it and switch on to something else and switch on to something else, which I guess you could say was an addictive trait. But uh, I never like wanted to keep doing one thing. Uh, but essentially I get this job and I'm like, this is it. This is going to save me from all of this. This is everything worth through like breakups, getting cheated on, like losing all my friends. I was like, this is the moment. And uh, I remember getting the tour. They had the, like a penthouse suite in a skyscraper in downtown Portland. So I ended up back there. That's the funny part. Like I, I went back to Portland a second time now because I got the job there. Out of all the cities I called, Texas, New York City, like Miami, I ended up back in the same place that kicked me out. So it's like, oh, it's a redemption path. This is it. Uh, and we're walking around the tour. She's giving me the office tour and she sits me down in my cubicle. And then I'm listening to the clock tick and I'm just like, fuck, this is everything I worked for. This moment right here, being stuck in a cubicle, listening to the phone ring, like being told when I can have lunch, when I can have vacation. Like, this is all like, I feel like it was a lie. Like I just lied to myself. And uh, that was the moment that really set me out towards the path I'm on now. Why did you think that that was like, why did you have this dream or this idea that working in this place or working for this company as a coder was going to be everything? Well, I just, it was an escape from where I was. Honestly, anything was probably better at that point. Gotcha. Okay. And then when you got there and it wasn't what you imagined, did you ever contemplate going back? Never. No, I just figured I would learn how to create a business and figure it out and quit. Yeah, so run through. I, Go on, sorry. Yeah, so I, I was like looking at ways to make money online again. Went back to Google for the second time. And this time, now this like world that we're in now is like getting popular. So I, I was Googling and SMMA was the hot thing at the time. So I tried that, failed. What's SMMA? Social Media Marketing Agency. Gotcha. Just like, yeah. 
lead gen stuff. So I did that, I failed, went to affiliate marketing, failed, drop shipping, failed. And uh, then I went back to SMMA and I was like, fuck it, I just got to do this. And that's when like sales came back in. And I started cold calling businesses on my lunch break, right before work, after work, uh, not getting any bites. And then I, I was 30 days in and I still didn't have a client. All right. And I was just like, fuck this, I'm going to quit. So I quit and I was like, I got 30 days to figure it out. Because at the time I was blowing all my money on courses, you know, coaches, mentors, all that. So I had no money saved. I was living in this really shitty Craigslist apartment. And I was like, I got 30 days to figure out my rent situation. So I'm cold calling businesses left and right. On the 27th day, I landed my first client and then everything took off from there. Dope. So you landed the first client. Like, Who was this first client? It was a gym to get leads for. How'd that go? Oh, I failed horribly. <laughs> not, dude, not even close. Dude, I sucked at marketing, man. So that was the thing is like, I had to kept calling clients because I knew if I signed a client, they weren't going to stay on the second month. So it was a constant hustle of just like pretty much selling on the phone, losing the client, keep going. Really? How did yeah. you how did you go with knowing that like the service that you're delivering like wasn't that great? Well, dude, it's not like I purposely sat there and was like, fuck, I'm going to give them a horrible service. I tried everything. I was like, I was spending all the money coming in that they're paying me on more courses and mentorships. I was, wasn't even saving up more than one month's rent at a time. And I was just trying to get it down, but I just couldn't. I was not good at marketing. Yeah, right. It was really because I didn't have a sales process in place for them because I was just getting them leads and they didn't know how to convert the leads. So I never really taught them that they had call them and what scripts to use and all that. That's the biggest the issue with marketing. Hey, man, I see this all the yeah, time. Yeah, it is. Like, I remember um, with like when I was doing a lot more business coaching than what we do now, I remember teaching some people. And first of all, I have a firm belief that some people just shouldn't be in business. Like some people will just never, ever make it. But I remember going and teaching these guys a lot of strategies on how they can bring in clients, how they can attract their ideal customer, all that sort of stuff. And then seeing them, like watching their results, seeing the leads who are booking in, making sure they were super qualified, and then seeing yep. them just fucking fumble the ball over the line. Like just drop it on the sales call. I was like, oh my God, it is the most frustrating hard, thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's a hard business model. Yeah, man. So eventually I just, uh, I saw all the social media marketing agencies. I joined these Facebook groups and I was like, yo, I don't get why they agreed to this. I'll close your deals. You got a cold call or cold email them or whatever and bring them for me. I'll close them. And then I'm going to take 50% and I'm going to walk off. And I did this for like a good minute for about six months. And that's how I was making a living for a good, good while. How much did you make out Super of it? 50% funny. is good comms. Like, I don't know yeah, how you negotiated it, that. <laughs> but it was on like 2K retainers and things like that. But dude, all these guys were super new too. Like we're all super new trying to figure it out. It wasn't an experienced agency or anything like that. Gotcha. So why do you feel you gravitated towards sales? You know, man, it's not that I ever really like sales in particular. I just like communication and learning that. And so that was like an outlet of sales. I like learning in the dating game, you know, and how that applied. And it was pretty much like the same thing. I felt like that transferred over. Um, but it's never like I ever like fell in love. Like I want to do specifically sales. I didn't really start enjoying it until I did high ticket. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, so, you, so you're selling these these offers where you're on like 2K retainers, you're getting 50% comps. You did that for six months. Is that right? Mm-hmm. How much did you make over that six months? Uh, dude, I don't know. I'd make anywhere between like 15 to 20. Nice. That's not bad, huh? Yeah, I mean, for myself, it was like super, it was a lot. And then uh, I pretty much... Gave that up because I, I ended up creating my like, own sales program. We went down that route for a while. And How'd that we go? Today. Uh, dude, it was all right. I, uh, 
it was actually a lot of fun at the time. I partnered with a guy named Rob Quinn. And uh, we had a lot of fun creating this stuff. But eventually, I just wanted to do off. I felt like this was the real answer, to be honest with you. I felt like I shouldn't be teaching something that I haven't already mastered. And I was like, yeah, I'm good at it. And yeah, there's a philosophy, like just teach the people that know less than you. And that is true to an extent. But I felt like I just really want to dive into it a bit more and master a craft. And I'm not saying I'm master now, but I feel like I'm a lot better than I was back then. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. And so then, so you, you start creating this course and then like, did you just end it straight away? Did you give it back to Robert? Like, what did you do there? Yeah, I just gave it to Rob. And then uh, I just went off and I, well, this was the thing dude. I was, I was in Kansas City at the time and uh, me still being super young and reckless. And I was like, just turned 21. Uh, I thought it'd be fun to, you know, spend all my money. So I spent all my money in a super nice apartment. It was going out all the time. So I wasn't saving anything. So when I that left, always I ends well, doesn't it? <laughs> dude, it was so bad. I had, I had fucking three months of rent saved up. That was it. I, I was in a super expensive place at the time for myself, but still, and I'm going down that path and uh, I'm trying to figure out all this stuff. And then I'm like, fuck, I'll just start an agency. So I start that. And that's when I met Joel Kaplan because I bought his program. And he's like, fuck the agency, just sell my program. And it was 4K at the time. And I was like, well, let's make it 10, drive leads and we'll, we'll create it. And then uh, obviously that took off and he's doing amazing. But um, yeah, it's kind of where I am today now. Sick. And you mentioned before, like you love the dating game. How did you go like with the dating game and sales? I've, I've heard a lot of guys say that the two work hand in hand. What do you mean? Like how is it the, synchronized? Yeah. The better, the better that you are yeah. with sales, the better, the easier the dating gets. Well, one, it's like the confidence that, you know, you can like get what you want ultimately from your words. But uh, two, I mean, there's like, you know, there's trial closing, there's objection handling, there's, you know, there's the whole nine yards. It just transfers over in a different way. Totally. Totally. So where did you start to get your confidence from? Because, you know, as you said at the start, like you're, you were in Portland, you're working a shitty job. You came from a background which wasn't great, wasn't instilling a whole heap of confidence. Like where'd it come from? Honestly, bro, I was always super arrogant from a super young age. My mom will say that. Like I just, I always felt like I had it going for myself. That's cool, man. There's it, something about having a mom that believes in you, which is really cool, huh? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for her. I don't believe mm. that at all. What type of impact did your dad have on you? That's a good question. I don't know, man. Like I have certain moments that are definitely powerful with him, but I'd say how to be a loving man. Yeah, that's probably what I'd say. How to be a loving man. Yeah. That's important. Yeah, definitely. How, if, if you don't mind me asking, like how would you describe your dad? Dude, my dad, he's funny, man, because he could be like super in his like feminine, but like he attracts the hottest chicks. Like still, like I'll be with him, <laughs> like attract like 20-year-old girls. And I just don't understand it. Like they'll ignore me and want to talk to him. Uh, and then he can have a size where he can definitely be like super intense and super uh, like in that zone. So it's, it's like I, I kind of learned that duality with him. Mm, totally. Okay. So when you, when you like look back on like your, your upbringing, like you have two really, really fucking awesome parents. Why do you feel that you don't look back up on that, like on that upbringing it, with like total, I'm going to say happiness, but it sounds like from what we talked about that there was almost like, a, there just wasn't enough for you back there. Why do you think that might be? Well, bro, I, I just think like any 18 year old is going to want to leave this small town and branch off in the real world. Totally. It's just what it is. And I'm not saying I didn't look back without like love or good memories, dude. I have the most beautiful memories of my life growing up in that small town. That's that's 100 for sure. But it's I just wanted to get out, dude. I wanted more. Mm. You know, I got cheated on. Like I had no friends. I just like it got to a point where like I, I had it really going, and then I didn't. So I just wanted out really quickly. 
Totally. I remember that. So I grew up in a really small town called Black Hill, right? Which had like on our side of it, we were on like the poor side of Black Hill. Um, so it was like a farm, like a little small farming area. There would have been like a hundred people. Like that's it in my town. And like the school I went to, the primary school I went to, we had, um, it's like the elementary school. Um, we had 50 people, I think it was like in our, in our whole school. And I remember being there. And then after that, I went to boarding school when I was 12, when I was yeah 12, turning 13. And I went from that to like having 1200 dudes. And like, I was living there wow. and like in just in one house, we had like 70 blokes, like all what in What was one. that like for you? <laughs> Fucking awesome. Like, I, look, I, I wouldn't send my kids there. Um, like I'm, I'm not a big advocate for the school because of like a, a whole heap of reasons, but like, living with like 70 blokes was like the best experience. Like I'm 12, right? I love sport. And so like whenever I, I used to not want to come home. So like we'd have, you know, I'd live at school and you could go home on the weekends if you wanted to. I'd be like, nah, mm. <laughs> like I'm, I'm staying here because I had footy, I had cricket, I had basketball, I had all my mates with me like all the time. It was a phenomenal experience, like really, really cool experience. Um, it, we had like, I don't know if I- like everything there. What was that? Yeah. See, I always thought I wanted that, but then growing up, I'm like, I'm too introverted for that. I would just go like crazy not being able to have my own space of privacy. It's difficult on space and privacy. Really difficult. It's definitely a learning period. And if you are someone who's an introvert, like it's not quite as as fun. Like I, I did really, really well at that school and it served me perfectly because I was a little bit bigger. I was good at sport. And like, when you look at boys playing with boys, like that's what that's how the hierarchy's made. It's like if a boy is bigger, stronger, better at sport, he's gonna do better. If he's smaller, weaker, more feminine, whatnot, he's not gonna do as well. And I look at the like the difference between my brother yeah. and I. I was a little bit older than my brother, like when I started. So he was young for the year. So here in Australia, we've got like weird times where you start going to school. So he was like one of the youngest in our grade. Um, and just the difference in like, he was pretty much like nine months behind all the other kids, super different experience to me. Still loved it. Still got a heap of really good mates out of it. But in terms of like the way, like the, the, the times we had at school, like very, very different It's like, I, I wouldn't recommend it like now I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it, wouldn't advocate it, but fuck, I certainly had a whole heap of fun there. Like a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah. I was wondering that was like, like those kids that go to school and they have like 16,000 people in their high school. That'd just be so intense. It's like a city you live well, in. It's like you um you learn a lot about people, right? Because all the big kids shit sure. on the little kids, right? Like that's just how it is. Yeah. And we had this <laughs> thing in because it was like a bit of an army school. Um, there was this inbuilt looking back on it now, it's like inbuilt bullying, right? It's just like if you're at the top of the pack, you shit on everyone down. And it's like this constant power struggle. I remember like just intentionally not fighting, like punching, but like wrestling older kids just to move up in that hierarchy a little bit, just to get a little bit of respect. It's uh, yeah. It's a little bit weird like that. And probably where I got my competitive streak from. Yeah, dude. I, I, uh, I think that's why I struggled growing up. Cause like, and that's why I think I like the sales. Cause I was, I didn't have that going. So I didn't learn my communication skills. I felt like totally. So where did you start yeah. learning your communication skills? Going out into the real world, you know, being on my own, having like to negotiate. Some nuts, man, to go from a little town to just say, "Oh fuck it, I'm going to go to Portland." Yeah, dude, I was, I was just not give a fuck. I don't know why. I just felt like whatever happens, happens, and I can always like make the best of it. How has that but, mentality uh, served you? I mean, I think really good. You know, what opportunities have you made, like because of that? 
Well, I'm here now. I'm here today, bro. That I mean, my opportunity to sit in this beautiful home talking to you, man, to someone I really appreciate. But uh, I, I do. I don't know. I just uh, is what it is. I think that you gotta you go check it, and you can't ride it too hard because then you know you're gonna make stupid decisions. But there's a good fine line that you can ride that it really serves you. Yeah, totally. Look, I remember like when I first met you, when you first did sales for us, like that must be a year and a half, nearly two years ago now. Two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a fair while, man. I remember that was the thing. I was like, here's this young kid. He's like cocky as fuck. He like doesn't give a shit. I'm like, fucking oath. I'm going to give this guy a crack. I don't care if he's never done this before. I'm like, I'm a hundred percent going to give him a go. <laughs> like, I'll back you. Um, but so like, so obviously like, you're doing it, you're working with us for a little bit and then you moved on from there. So like, what was your path as you moved into high ticket? And by the way, if, if you guys listening, high ticket sales is referring to selling programs, which are like really in excess of about $3,000, dollars $10,000 specifically for online courses. So yeah, how, where was your first start in, in high ticket? Well, it was Joel Kaplan when I was selling gotcha. the, yeah, exactly. And then where'd you go from there? What did I do from there? I sold for a couple other people and then uh, I created my own thing, wrote that for a while. And then uh, I went back and I actually re- rekindled with Joel and we, we created a plan. I stayed there for a little while longer. And then it just like, we both realized it, it, I didn't need to be there anymore. Um, so then I what left. That? And now you, you, you move around a lot. Like, why is it that you feel that you, because you're constantly on the go, moving forwards, moving forwards, moving forwards. Why is that? Yeah. You know, I just always had a problem with standing still. If I feel like I'm not growing, I just, I can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. One sec. My pup's going, Nala, come. She's amazing. Look, we've had her for 14 hours and we've changed the name and she already knows the name. She already comes and she knows to get on a bed. Like this dog nice, is dude. amazing. I'm stoked. I'm I so wonder what happened if you got a dog and they just didn't listen to your commands. And then what do you do to them? You just fucked. <laughs> you have a dog that doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> totally. So my, my brother trains dogs. He's quite good. He's, he's actually amazing with animals. Um, and nice. I was talking with him about it and he, he obviously, he doesn't do dog training anymore because he says like, he loves working with animals. But he doesn't like people. And the issue is, is that it's never the dog's fault. It's the human's fault. Like if you've got a dog that won't stop barking, biting, nipping, like doesn't come when it's told, it's like, that's your fault. Like the dog's fine. It's on you. And that was like his biggest difficulty. Was, was it him that said that? So someone else who said that that's the biggest difficulty about dog training is that it's every time the human. So if you have a good human, it's really easy. Yeah, dude, people that love animals always have a hard time with people. Yeah. I remember thinking like when I was growing up, like, cause I, I grew up on a farm. I had like cows and I had a pet cow, right? Get this. I had a pet cow that thought she was a dog. So we raised her with our dogs cause she was a potty. Her mum died. No way. And, um, and yeah, she used to, we, we grew up in like an old school. I don't know if you've seen it. Like, um, it's like an old school, like Australian style house where there's like, it's like a square and there's like a veranda all the way around it. And the dogs would sleep on the veranda. It's like a porch and the dogs would sleep on there and the cow would come up as well. And then we had to like put the cow out into the paddock with the other cows. Cause one day she came home, like, and she heard that I was inside and she started bashing on the door, trying to get in. <laughs> it's like this oh, 200 no kilo, 300 <laughs> kilo cow trying, <laughs> trying, to, trying to get That's in. That's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I remember dude, like, I remember thinking like when I was young, I was like, yeah, I'm, I fucking, I don't get people. Like I can only get animals. And it was funnily enough as a boarding school that started shifting. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting you say that, man. But going back onto onto you, so like you're constantly changing, you're constantly moving forwards. Like, 
where, like, why do you have this mentality that you're always pushing forwards? You're always doing better because you're never satisfied. You I mean you're selling ten thousand dollar programs with Joel. You're clearly making good money. Then what? What stops you from just sitting in the one spot and being complacent? Well, dude, for the longest time, the real answer is I was just running from like demons and stuff I never saw past trauma that I needed to work on. And my escape from that was working on myself and keep moving forward and don't look backwards. And it got to just an unhealthy amount. And then I had to work on that. And I mean, that's when you and me met, you know? Yeah. Well, why did you reach out to me in the first place? Well, dude, I reached out to you because I, I realized I got to a point where like I, I had everything I ever wanted. You know, I had the freedom. I could go whenever I wanted. I was living in a banging fucking condo in downtown Miami. It was Two a cool stories. place. Yeah. Floor, ceiling, windows. That place was amazing. Man, the memories in that one. And, uh, you know, but I had everything. But yet I was like terribly depressed. I, I was had anxiety. I was dealing with a lot of personal shit that you know of. And uh, it just felt like time to just confront everything that I was running from and just finally work on it. Mm, totally. So, okay. So when we started like work, working together, did you have any apprehensions? Did you have any doubts about going in and dealing? Because some of that stuff you're dealing with was pretty dark, right? Did you have any hesitations? Any things like, no, 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 I can't deal with this. I can't do it. No, nah, man, I was, I, I'm always like that. Like I go from like zero to hundred on something. It's like either I'm all in or I'm all out. So once I'm in, I'm in. And then it's just like from coach standpoint, it's like, great. If he works out, he works out. If he doesn't, cool, I'll just on to the next one. I'll keep going. But yeah, obviously you amazingly worked out. But, uh, but yeah, man, I just go, I go into things all the time. So no, to answer your question. Totally. I, I just find that, man, like with a lot of the guys who I interview who are really successful, it's the same mindset. It's the same attitude. It's like, you just say, fuck it. It's like, what's the worst that can happen? It's like, I'm, I've got a problem. I want to solve it. I'm just going to fucking do it. And I'm going to go balls deep the whole way. Yeah. My role for that is if it doesn't matter in five years, it doesn't matter today. I like that. I really yeah, like that. I always ask myself that if something bad happens, I'm just like, will I care about this in five years? If I don't, then, you know, it's probably not going to matter. So it shouldn't matter now. Yeah, totally. We give too many fucks, man. As a, as a society, we're so wound up and uptight. Yeah, dude, I'm still working on that. I mean, that's hard. You know, it's a hard muscle to get out because it's ingrained in us from an early age. Totally, man. So, okay, so when we were working together, like what were the, and going as, as much depth as you like, as what you're comfortable with, what were the key things that you wanted to fix when you, you wanted to improve? Uh, I wanted to get ripped and I wanted to, that was like definitely number one. But I remember when I came for you, that's why I came to you really at first. Remember, I just, I was talking about getting big and then uh, we like, I talked to you and you're like, dude, we need to work on a lot more than just your muscles. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, we, we worked on all that shit. But dude, I just wanted to answer your question. I wanted to just be at a spot in life where I was just like happy and content with where I was and not having to feel like I need to get the next best thing, but still wanting to grow and having that healthy balance, you know? Mm. And what was it? Because obviously you achieved that, right? And you're nailing it now. So like, what were the key things you think that we discussed, which actually enabled you to get there? Dude, it's funny, right? Because it's always like the simple things that, that really matters. The basic philosophical principles of being present and, you know, enjoying the present moment and uh, journaling, self-reflecting. Like, obviously, there's technique to it, but I think that was just really the simple things that took out. And then, obviously, there was some stuff that maybe we could talk about on another podcast another day. Yeah, totally. Because we went pretty deep there, man. Yeah, dude. There was like, I mean, that's like a, a year. And we worked for a year together, pretty much. Yeah, around that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a good yeah. long time. And so, okay, so you, you pretty much you because really like the the, the end result with for you is first of all you got shredded as fuck, right? And you got shredded and jacked, and like in terms of yourself, you're way more secure, and you didn't always need to 
um, continue moving forwards. But one of the things we see with a lot of guys, particularly your entrepreneurial, and I coach a lot of these dudes. It's it, you know what's crazy, man, is it's the same with somebody who's hustling their ass off and making five hundred k, same as making a hundred million. Right? It's the same thing. Often we're driven in in as men, we're driven by our insecurities. We're driven by our fear of ourselves, of not feeling good enough, not feeling worthy, and whatnot. You like fucking improved out of there, out of sight. Like in terms of like your confidence in yourself, you're no longer anxious. You have like an immense sense of self worth. How do you go with staying motivated now that you don't have those negative fears driving you? Yeah, dude. I mean, you just deal with it. I don't know. I really don't have like a beautiful poetic answer to, do, to give you. You just deal with it and move it forward because that's life. Like you're always going to have shit thrown at you. So you just got to keep going forward. Hmm. And, what, and what's, so, the, what's the alternative of sitting and dying around, you know? Totally. Totally. Well, a lot, of, a lot of us do that, man. Like when we get depressed, we get snapped into funk. Do you ever get into funks anymore? Uh, dude, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, working on your mental health is a continual life thing. I don't think anyone's ever 100% happy 100% of the time. But, uh, you know, yeah, I think you just get better over time and it becomes enjoyable. And then you like you enjoy it and appreciate yourself wherever you're at in life. So what drives you now? Dude, right now, peace and serenity. That's all I want and care about. I just want to be happy and content and feel blissful. I don't want to feel like stressed out and anxious about the next best thing or anything like that. I just want to live in the moment. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Dude, my end goal is to just get a fucking ranch, like lots of property, good land, good size house, get a beautiful wife, some couple horses and just relax and take it easy. And then obviously from there, you more work on your passions and things like that. Yeah, dude, that's a dream. I got exactly the same thing. Like, I just want to have, I want to have my pup or probably a couple of dogs. Don't tell so if I'm getting a couple, but I'm getting a couple. Uh, but yeah, I would love some land, man. There's something so yeah. nice about being able to farm and about being able to actually live off the land itself, but not from a, from a financial sense, like having it as a business, but being able to have that as a way of life. Yeah, dude, 100%. And I think that's what matters in the day. Cause like, I see these guys that are just, so fucking rich and so wealthy and they're just so depressed. And, you know, I'm just like, I don't understand that. And I, I think Ty Lopez, man, he has this great video on it and I'm not a big Ty Lopez fan in the slightest. I remember this is one video and he's like life ran on the kitchen sink or something. And he's like, sit on the kitchen uh, counter shirtless 2am just like going on this rant about life and like wealth and all that and happiness. But you should check it out if you haven't seen it for anyone listening. But um, yeah, man, I just think people chase too much and they actually just don't actually care about living life. Hmm. So yeah, I want to get horses because you know I rode a couple of horses in my day. I used to break them, and uh, they're my favorite animal as well. And they bring me a lot of peace. So that's on the bucket list. That's super cool, man. That's super cool. So how dope what- is that? To just say you have a stable, you know? Be like, oh, these are my stables. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty fucking alpha thing to say, bro. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I've never looked at it that way, but now that you say, it, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I've never been much of a horses guy though. Like I'm, uh, I, they've 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 got them i prefer like things like you can ride horses right but you can also ride a motorbike and i like things with an engine and an on and off switch dude i like both i got my ducati and then growing up i rode horses i think that's why i like my motorcycle so much because i you know i grew up doing that totally i love speed yeah mm. there's nothing more free than going really fucking fast that's why i love skydiving have you been skydiving yet yeah i've been a couple of times i don't honestly i don't think it's that fun unless you're doing it yourself so i want to I'm, I'm learning to get my own uh, license for that but, uh, but yeah, skydiving is crazy. Dude, honestly, you know, going back to the original question, what do you think we worked on that helped the most? Dude, getting a motorcycle was probably the biggest fucking 
driver for me because I was like getting there, I was getting there, I was getting there. Everything was getting more like confident, but I didn't yet cross that edge, you know? And I was reading that uh, book and it said in a page, uh, everyone should own, every man should own a motorcycle. So I literally went to the dealership the next day and then bought that brand new motorcycle. <laughs> and that was the moment everything switched. It. Yeah, dude, riding that thing home, like I was like, I found myself. Totally. Have you ever had to come to come to terms or, or or looked death in the face? Oh yeah, tons of time. Like my whole life, I did. I was fucking young and reckless and stupid. I'd go out surfing in super rough conditions and like almost drown. Uh, and I rode horses. I I got blacked out fucking falling off a horse once. Um, yeah, man, dude, I grew up in the woods, bro. You know what else is there to do but play with guns and <laughs> hike and do dumb, you know, young boy shit. Um, yeah. There's something really freeing about it, isn't there? About doing that and growing up in that lifestyle? About we had living that lifestyle definitely, but also being so close to death and actually knowing. It's like the weirdest thing to say, right? Because in our society, we're super afraid of death and like super afraid of how it's such a bad thing and whatnot. I was actually talking with a mate about it at the gym just last night, how like super sensitized we are and like how much we think like death is a bad thing. But there's something really interesting. I mean, if you look at um, like in the days of Caesar and like the ancient Romans, like you only became a man when you've been to battle and like you've been to battle, you've been around death, you've seen death. That's when you come back and you're a man. It's like, there's something really powerful about looking death in the face. I can see that perspective. For me, I, I've never felt that way from death. I think that moment you're talking about comes from like facing adversity in your life. That's, th- that's what it is for me. I like that. I really like that. So then, okay, so what are your moves? Like, so now you live in, you've gone from Miami, now you're living in Columbia. Why the fuck are you in Columbia? Yeah, dude, great question. Um, I don't know, man. I just like seeing where, where I should go back. You know, I, lo- I love it here. I've been to Medellin a couple of times. I lived here before. Um, I just, it just felt like a good, like, how do I describe it? Base point until I figure out the next plan. So why, why did you select like this place of all things? Because you're there, Danny's there. It's like, why, what, what made you want to move out, out down there? Because a little bit out of the way. Oh, well, my lease ended in uh, Miami. So That's a great question. I didn't realize I gave you that context. Yeah, my lease ended in Miami. And uh, I just was done living in Miami, man. I just knew it wasn't for me. It was just like, I like Miami. I had my fun there. I'm super grateful I lived there, but uh, I just got tired. I don't party. I don't really go out and club or anything like that. So it was kind of pointless for me to be there. And I want it to be more in nature and just relax. Hmm. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's super cool. So you're, you're in Columbia at the moment and then you're working. Like you're crushing work at the moment. Can you tell us about what you're doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm working for uh, Cole Gordon. I, uh, I'm closing his sales team accelerator offer for closers.io. Hell yeah. How's that going? It's going super good, bro. I'm super grateful to be there. It's uh, I I you know I have a lot of fun. I enjoy the people I work with, and uh, you know I make I make a good uh, <laughs> career financial opportunity from it. <laughs> so then, okay, so like, so you know, you you're absolutely you're dominating this sort, and like, actually, one thing I do want to ask is like with with Cole and whatnot, Cole and Mitch, like obviously Coach Mitchell as well. I love that dude, by the way. Like he is an great. awesome human being, really really cool. They're super, super high achievers. Um, and there's, there's obviously going to be no shortage of pressure because when you're around very masculine, very strong men, there's always a lot of pressure, which is, which is on you. How do you deal with that pressure to perform consistently? Honestly, man, I'm actually figuring out how to take pressure off. I think that's like the real goal because the pressure doesn't do anything for me. When I'm stressed out, I perform, but I don't perform in a healthy way and it's not consistent. 
Mm-hmm. So I want to learn and perform without stress or without pressure. So I kind of just remove that self from, uh, from it, to, to be honest. Dope. And how are you doing that? Really just the basics, man. The things we always talk about, you know, meditating, self-reflecting, seeing that I was in alignment with who I want to be today. If I wasn't, what did I do and what can I do differently? Um, you know, learning is a huge thing, you know, constantly improving, but it's just the stuff that we, we overcomplicate. People try to make it seem super complicated, but in the end, in the deal, you know, even that's why I came back to you at that one point. I was like, dude, I'm stressed out again. I'm, I'm feeling pressure. And they're like, all right, are you doing this? Are you doing this? Are you doing this? I'm like, no, no, no. I was like, well, dude, do what the, do the fucking basics we talked it's about. It's fucking basic, isn't it? Like being happy and being chilled is actually really, really simple when you know how. We make everything, yeah, 100%. Not, sorry not to cut you off. We make everything a big deal. We totally do. So I want to go back to the second point because I really fucking love what you said. And the second thing you said was like, you know, this is who I want to be. Am I acting in accordance with that? Can you go a little bit deeper onto how you do that with yourself? Because I think that's really important. On, on how I beat myself? On, on how you make sure that you are constantly in alignment with your ideal self. Yeah, dude, honestly, it's this one quote I wrote down one time that just like helps me realize I can keep doing that. Cause for me, what it is is consistency um, and staying on it. So I said, give yourself the place to forgive yourself and be patient with the recovery process. You weren't given a guide. You're figuring out as you go and you'll overcome and figure out happiness just as it meant by law of improvement in nature. I love that, man. Thanks bro. That's super cool. That's super cool, man. I've really enjoyed like seeing your journey and I'm really glad that I got to have you on here. Um, You've just launched your podcast again. I've been on it talking about a yeah. heap of raucous shit. <laughs> we talked about some crazy shit, bro. That was a good one. That was, that was a lot more. Uh, I remember coming off that podcast. I was like, oh, did I overshare a little bit too much? <laughs> talking no, about dude, that podcast, right? T- testosterone, psilocybin, ayahuasca, fucking heaps of crazy shit. That was fun, though. So, okay. So, where can yeah, I got where, a lot of messages everyone, from that? Where can we all? That's cool, man. I'm I'm glad. Good, bad. Yeah, people loved go? you. Really, yeah, people loved you, man. Yeah, dude, they loved you, man. That oh, was a good podcast. Cool. I'm glad. I'm glad, I'm glad I was. Glad. I'm glad I was sober for that one. <laughs> dude, I don't know. I um, I, I smoked a, a J like a few months ago. I think it was now. I remember hitting it and smoking. I was like, "Fuck, this is why I don't smoke weed." Like, I can. I'm a potato right now. So kudos for you for being able to uh to be able to function. Well, it wasn't on purpose. It was on accident. So, yeah. yeah someone but slipped you on. It is what it is. No, I just I, I missed the split. Yeah. 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 Dude. So, so dude, we're back, back to your podcast. Like, where can everyone find your podcast? Yeah, it's on Spotify. It's only on Spotify. I get hate all the time from people like, why don't you put on Apple Music? Dude, I'm just a Spotify guy. I don't know what to say. They got Joe Rogan. They're kind of MV- MVPing it. But uh, it's called A Man's Way. It's on there. And then I'm on IG, Temple Nailer. Unreal, man. Dude, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you coming on. Dude, thank you for having me, man. It's always a pleasure to be uh, do anything with you, whether it's talking to you about life, working with you, whatever, man. So uh, if you haven't worked with James, definitely recommend it. This dude is an uh, amazing bloke. I've never had someone actually care about my end outcome and where I'm currently at at his level. So appreciate you, bro. Oh, yeah, good goosebumps, man. Thank you. That's really cool of you to say. Of course, man. Appreciate you, you, dude. Likewise, bro. See you, man. Peace. I hope you enjoyed the video. If you got something out of it and you want to learn more, click the link below or type in High Performance Conversations with James Can, and you'll be able to check out all the podcasts that we've done. We cover a stack of different topics, everything from getting your mojo back, overcoming anxiety, self-doubt, self-esteem, and learning from some of the industries and some of the world's top performers in both business and in health.
Look forward to having you on there.